Or, or maybe you liked it better the other way, uh, but uh, some, some didn't. Um, but to, today we are looking at a passage in Matthew 24 as we're continuing on this journey of what is essential um, and as, as Jesus shares with us in this last week of his life uh, between Palm Sunday and Maundy Thursday, these are the, the stories that Matthew has and the events that occurred in, in that that Matthew shares with us. And, and today, particularly, it's one uh, that relates to us, uh, I think, and where um, uh, we, we are right now, given all that's going on in our lives and in our world, that we can... I feel, and uh, talking with others, just a sense of being worn down by the, the struggles that we encounter in our lives today. Um, we continue, uh, the continued struggle of, of racial justice, uh, fighting a, a pandemic, and now in its sixth month, and, and then the ensuing economic struggles that have occurred from that and the, the rise in, in violence and the rise in, in um, killings that have uh, occurred from, from both of those. And, and then you throw in natural disasters, a hurricane and raging wildfires and a, a huge bomb you know, that uh, um, go off. There's just, it's a consistent pressure from the fear and the uncertainty and, and all that, that's going on. Um, and and you, you see it as well, an increase of, of uh, domestic abuse, uh, an increase in uh, the, the murder rate in, in our city. Uh, and so we're, we're feeling that um, pressure. And we're, again, as I said, we're worn down by it. And we're, we're looking for a cure. We want something to happen. I mean, we, we want a vaccine to, tomorrow. We, we want some things to happen to address these so we can then one day burn the masks. I, maybe we'll keep one just for old time's sake. But we're ready. You know, it takes its toll. The frustration, the, the loss, the fear piles up. How do we, as Jesus followers, then keep the faith? And not only keep the faith, but also e- even grow in our faith in the face of these struggles and the, the, the challenges of the world. How do we live with Jesus together with, with joy and even expectation in the midst of pain and uncertainty? In our passage today, that's what Jesus is going to speak to. He speaks to his disciples then and he informs them. How are they going to live after Jesus leaves? You know, so after the crucifixion, after his resurrection, he ascends into heaven. How are they going to live? What are they going to face? What's the world going to be like for them? That's what Jesus is telling them. This is how you need to continue with your life. When, when I leave, there's going to be a continual wave of persecution and tribulation upon you. So, so he shares with them how to be prepared for that. To get them ready for that time. And in so doing, uh, we have recorded for us so that he shares with us and Christians all around the world and throughout the ages. How do we live in this time? 
this in-between time, this time between Jesus' first coming and his second coming. You know, his first coming, he came as a baby in a manger in a tiny little town, Bethlehem. And then he, he grew up and grew in the wisdom of the Lord. And then he, he lived for us, showing us the way of life with God in the midst of this world. Then, then he died to bring cleansing to our sin, as we've already celebrated. And then he was raised to new life to show his victory over death and guilt and, and shame. And one, and then he ascended into heaven. And now we, as he left with the, left us the power of the Holy Spirit living within us, now we go on being a witness to, to that truth and living in the hope of looking forward to that day when he will then return. And when he comes again, it will be in the full regalia of the king. He will come as the judge. He will come as the superstar. It will be obvious to all and he will make all things right. But as we live in this in-between time, he shares with the disciples then and he shares with us. This is what you'll face. This is how you live in the darkest and most challenging of those times. Here, here are Jesus' words of warning and challenge and encouragement to them and to us to stay together, focused on him. Now, I'm going to read some sections of chapter 24. It's a large uh, passage, so just bits and pieces of it. You can go back and read the whole thing um, later, or you can uh, read the whole thing now. Always a, a good thing to be reading um, the, the scriptures. But as I walk through this, I'll make some commentary along the way and um, uh, see how what Jesus is saying then impacts how we live today. Let's pray together. Uh, Almighty God, again, we give you thanks for your written word. And we ask that your Holy Spirit will um, bring it to bear in our lives. And that empower us then to do what Jesus is telling us to do as we hear his word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right. um, So Matthew chapter 24, starting with verse 1. Jesus left the temple and was going away when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. But he answered them, You see all these, do you not? Truly, I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. So Jesus with the disciples and they're um, leaving the temple mount and as the disciples turn around and say, Wow, Jesus, look, isn't that... Beautiful. Look at those buildings. And then Jesus, then, as he does on a couple of occasions, shocks their socks off. He says, well, you see those buildings? They're going to be destroyed. Not a single stone will be on another. Well, for um, the disciples in that day, that was serious, shocking. Inf- I mean, to be serious enough, shocking information of, you know, we're leaving this building. And Greg Fisher, <clears throat> who's the facilities director, turns around and says, you know, you see that building? We turn and say, Greg, man, the building looks great. He goes, well, day is going to come when the whole thing's coming down. Yeah, that'd be sort of shocking. Um, but we know, and we've learned during COVID-19, that the church is not centered on a building. The church continued, even when we couldn't meet in a building. And even if the building is destroyed, we'd be sad. It'd be a horrendous loss, but it wouldn't um, be the end of the work of College Hill Presbyterian Church. It's not centered on a building. That's not the case with the temple. 
You know, in those days, the, the church was centered in the temple. That was the place where God dwelled. That was the place where they met with God in, in prayer and in the, the sacrifices and all the rest. So if you say you're going to destroy the temple, then you, that is an abomination to the faith. That is an affront to God because that is the place where God dwells. So when Jesus said that, that would be earth shattering. And we'll see the significance of that as we walk through this passage. All right. And so <clears throat> then we're told that uh, verse three, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him and privately saying, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? You know, so now they figure they got an end with Jesus. That's just, they're sort of shocked. When they get with him private, they say, okay, now wait a minute. When will these things be? And what are the signs? Those are the two questions that he asks. And then immediately after, what he's going to do here, through verse like 35, he's going to answer the question, what are the signs? And then he'll get to the when, but not till the end. Right, right now, He'll get to the signs. And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ. And they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed. For this must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Now, this whole section, I believe Jesus is outlining for the disciples that he's talking to right then and there what happens in the book of Acts. He's outlining the persecution they're going to they're going to face, how people will lead them astray, how there will be all kind of terrors, uh, all kinds of false prophets and all the things that will happen in even that first season of the church, which we have all the, the stories of those things happening both in the book of Acts and in other historical sources of the time. And at the end of the book of Acts, we also see even in the midst of all the persecution they faced, the good news of the message of Jesus still went, it exploded out of its Jerusalem confines. It exploded to the rest of the world, to the nations and peoples of all nations and language and made it all the way to Spain, all the way to to Rome. And the, the word, the gospel was let loose. And I think fulfilling what Jesus was saying here. All right, then and I'll skip a section here, starting with verse 15, about the abomination of, of desolation. What, what's happening in, in there is uh, 
Um, Jesus is telling them what, again, the persecution that's going to continue after the time of the, in the book of Acts all the way until the temple is destroyed. I think that's the abomination of desolation is when some of the, em, the emperors came in and they, they put symbols of the Roman government, they put symbols of the emperor as God in the temple. So that was an abomination, a, a, a direct competition, a direct, uh, directly against Yahweh the God who created the world. And those those things also happened by some of the, the emperors in those days. And I want to pick up in the middle of that section, starting with uh, verse 24. And again, Jesus uh, continues, For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I've told you beforehand. So if they say to you, Look, He is in the wilderness. Do not go out. If they say, look, he's in the inner rooms. Do not believe. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Just a a quick word here. I mean, what Jesus is saying is, it's not going to be a secret when I come back the second time. It's going to be like lightning in the sky. All will know. You don't have to go someplace special or have a secret handshake or some kind of magic word. When it happens, everybody's going to know it. And that's what that little saying is. Where the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Everybody will be there. They will will see it. It will draw the crowd. Then immediately, next verse, verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from the heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. So something's going to happen there that shake the earth, shake the heavens. Now, what I think he's referring to there is the destruction of the temple. That would be heaven shaking because that's the place where God dwells. How in the world is the place that God dwells destroyed unless Jesus has now said the, the spirit of God no longer dwells in a temple. He now dwells in a people by the Holy Spirit. That's the other thing that Jesus does and that the Holy Spirit accomplishes. But it's a, a heaven shaking reality for the temple to be destroyed. Then verse 30, then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. So then, after the destruction of the temple, after that, then we're set. It's now the sign of the Son of Man will appear and the Son of Man will appear before all the world. So as I read this passage, as I understand it, there is absolutely nothing that needs to happen for Jesus to come back. There's no prerequisite. There, there's, there is, is no, the, the next step that God will take in his rescue plan of the world is for Jesus to return. And so we are living in the then of verse 30. That first word, that then, that's the in-between time in which we live now. Now, um, And notice this other thing. This is the only time that Jesus says sign. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. He doesn't tell us what it is. Didn't tell us if there's something to it or if what I think he's saying is the sign of the Son of Man is the appearance of the Son of Man. The sign of the Son of Man is his nose. That 
Because what we see when we see the sign is the Son of Man. So I, I think that's what he said. That is right. That is where we live now. And here's here's why um, I, I think that as we read from verse 32. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Did you see what he said about the the things, these things? So when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. Meaning there's nothing more that there's nothing holding him back. He the next step is to come upon us. And then he tells us in the next verse, truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. So all the prerequisites to Jesus returning are accomplished by 70 A.D. at the destruction of the temple. So he is near. He is with us. There is just one step away from his appearance. So it's like um, my father-in-law used to tell his kids as they were on long trips from Birmingham to Buffalo in their station wagon. Here's what, uh, as they were getting close to their place, he would say, um, or they would, you know, kids would complain, hey, when are we going to get there? Are we there yet? When's it going to happen? And his response was, we'll be there when we get there. I think that's what Jesus is telling in terms of when it's going to happen. When will you know it's going to happen? You'll know it's happening because it's happening. You'll be there when you get there. And now, so that's answering all the sign language. Then he comes into verse 36. Now he's going to start answering the when. So when is this going to Those are the two questions. What are the signs and when is it going to happen? Now, verse 36. But concerning that day and hour... No one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. So, I mean, Jesus is saying somehow in the way that that Jesus in that current situation, being with the disciples, fully man, fully God, um, he, in the fullness of his humanity, does not know when it's going to happen, but only the Father. So certainly the disciples don't know, and certainly any modern day author isn't going to know. So if there's one thing you take away, don't waste any time watching YouTube videos on when Jesus is going to return. Don't buy any books that tell you these are the signs of when Jesus is going to return. It's all right here. He's laid it out for what we need to um, expect now. All right. So and when it happens, he's saying you don't know. So stop trying to figure it out. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. So he hearkens back to Genesis 5 through 8, the story of the flood with Noah, you know, where nobody thought a flood was coming. They were just continuing to do their thing, live their lives. And um, the... uh, uh, and you had this one man, this one fool, building this big boat in the middle of a desert. And so they're still planning, getting married and um, uh, having families, moving, doing their thing. And then the flood comes and it surprises them. So then uh, pick it up in verse 42. Therefore, 
Stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So he's clearly saying we can't know. It's going to be something that we don't expect and we can't figure it out. So as I said, there's no, there is no prerequisite for Jesus' return now. The next step in God's cosmic rescue plan is for Jesus to return. The in-between time now of his first and second is the age of the spirit in the church. To continue to glorify God, do the work of living and sharing the gospel with others. That's what he tells them. Then hold on, stay with it, even in the midst of whatever you face, keep doing the work of the kingdom. And so for the disciples, they're with Jesus there in flesh and blood. He's telling them, listen, you got a lot of stuff that's going to happen in these next several years. Hold on. And he tells them, as he tells us, stay awake and be ready. Because one day I'm coming back to make all things right. And I'm at the gates. I'm on the edge. And so he charges us, as he charges them, be ready. How? How? How are we ready then? Well, I think that that flows from the whole passage as well, sort of intermingled. If this is what we we know to be uh, what the next step is, how then are we ready for that day? Um, Well, look back with me in verses 4 through 6. Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name saying, I'm the Christ, and they will lead many astray. So see that no one leads you astray, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed. For this must take, must take place, but the end is not yet. So don't, don't be led astray and don't be alarmed. That's what he's, he's saying. What uh, Dale Bruner, uh, New Testament professor, um, <clears throat> New Testament scholar says, don't get tricked and don't be terrified. Don't, don't get tricked because there will be false Jesuses around saying, hey, I've got salvation for you. Um, And don't be terrified in the midst of all that is going on because fear and deception are a terrible combination because when we're scared or when we're charged, emotionally charged in some way, that, that makes us more open, more susceptible to deception, more susceptible to some kind of quick fix. Um, that'll either get us out uh, of the, the, the tribulation, we can flee it, or some quick fix that we can take into our hands and, and uh, address it and oppose it and defeat it uh, and fight it. And so, But when th- that deception and that terror, that being tricked and terrorized come together, it's a really bad combination. We're very susceptible to falling into that as humans. You guys remember, this is about four years ago now, last or December of 16, a guy named Madison Welch had uh, been on, on the internet and been hearing uh, and reading about and studying about this supposed child uh, slavery ring in Washington, D.C. And the things he read just horrified him. And, and he, was, he was so, uh, and he's a follower of Jesus. And he's just like, this is wrong. This, this opposes the, the very heart of God. 
And, and so uh, as he got all riled up about that, he got in the car and headed to the, the, the Comet Pizza Parlor, which is supposedly where all of this was centered. And he got a, a rifle and a handgun, and he drove up there by himself, went into the Comet, went in with his, his guns, shot three times, didn't hit anybody, just hit the wall, uh, thankfully, and then realized that it was just a pizza parlor. And that there... He goes, the intelligence on this was not 100%, was his quote at that moment. Um, <clears throat> and <clears throat> thankfully, he stopped and realized, confessed his error. But now he's spending four years in prison um, for that. So it's possible to, to be deceived, even in crazy ways like that. Um, verse uh, in, When we're in this in-between time, uh, listen to verse 10. And then, and it's additionally what will happen in this time of persecution. And then many will fall away and betray one another, hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. Now, again, um, uh, there... Many can be led astray during this time. Many can be led to disobey Jesus. That's what lawlessness is, is sins. When we disobey Jesus, they can, in in essence, chunk the faith by betraying one another, he says, grow in their hatred for one another, and their love, both for God and for one another, will grow cold. That's the very opposite of the commands of Jesus, to love God with heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. When in the midst of such terror and trickery, we can be led astray in all of these ways. And that's a ripe time for division, for the the devil to cause division in the midst of the people who are following Jesus. So it's in these times when we're feeling worn down, do, do you find hatred growing within you? Toward others, betrayal towards others. Those can be signs that we're not acting in faith, that we're acting out of fear, that we're acting, uh, being, we're being deceived by the, the evil one. When, when you, you find your heart, your attachment growing cold towards Jesus, that's a sign that we're not acting in trust, but we're reacting. To the deception and danger in our world. Can, can be particularly the, the case when, with political divisions. Because we can get tricked into thinking that, that, that politics and political solutions are our salvation instead of Jesus. Sometimes we can, we can wrap those commitments around the cross and it's really hard to untangle them. We have to be sure we don't get tricked. Don't get terrified. And lose the capacity to act in faith and continue to be committed to Jesus and Jesus' people in love. That's that's a way that the spirit that the evil one can cause that division. And so, what we need to be sure we're doing is surrounding ourselves with other followers of Jesus, people who we know trust Jesus and are faithful to obey him. We might disagree with them on a whole bunch of other things. Matter of fact, that might even be good. 
But we are full agreement that Jesus is our Lord and Savior and we want to follow and obey Him. That's what the church is to be about. A group of people who gather and support and help one another. Keep our love warm. Keep the fire burning even in the midst of such deception and danger. And and how much more difficult it is when because of fighting a virus we're maintaining separation. But we need to, we need one another. I mean, what do you think would have happened with the Madison if he just shared with a couple people, hey, this is what I'm thinking about doing? You know, do you think maybe some folks would say, you know, let's not do that. So not only, the, so one, that commitment to being with God's people who are those, those who are committed to following Jesus. And that we help and encourage and support one another and correct one another. Secondly, I think the other other thing here is that we are um, students. uh, We are in life of the word of God. As as Bill mentioned um, at the the end of of his his comments, that last or that verse 35, uh, where Jesus tells them after telling them that all these things have, have happened and now it's time I will I will, once all those things have happened, and these things will all happen before your generation ends, um, then um, I will come back. Uh, Then he says, uh, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. It is the words of Jesus that are eternally true. It it is the, the, the written word of God. That we hold to being the revelation of God that speaks to us of what is eternal and real forever. So we have to be sure in the midst of deception and danger that we don't go latching on to the things of the world. That are good, that are wonderful, that are beautiful, but they are not eternal. I mean, he's saying heaven and earth will pass away, but Jesus' words will not. So money or family or heritage or our nation or military might, our intelligence or skills or abilities... All of those things are good and wonderful, but we can't latch on to those because they are passing away. It is the words of Jesus, the words we hear today, the words we read every day that communicate to us of the character of God and the reality of his creation that leads to the way of life for those who are faithful until the end. Now, if you're um, here or if you're watching online and you're just... Checking out what it means to be a Christian. I want to encourage you that the center of what it means to be a Christian is to know Jesus. And if I could tell you to do one thing, it would simply be spend some time reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And if you read it, if you sort of set aside all the other things that maybe you think you know or that you've heard in other places and you just take some time, you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and, and, and see if you don't fall in love with Jesus. See, if you, you aren't compelled to, to get to know, man, who is this man? And for those of us who are followers of Jesus, if we see ourselves, our, our love growing cold, maybe it's time to reignite the relationship and just spend some time reading about Jesus. Spend some time with a few other people who are committed to knowing him and following him and who love him also. That's what it means, I think, when Jesus says, stay awake and be ready. 
Live for his return at all times. Not, not in fear, but in trust. Not in fear, but in truth. And as, as we continue to fall in love with Jesus, as we marvel at who he is and his beauty and his truth and his reality, then we can't wait for him to return. And our hope and expectation continue to be fed so that today our hearts may stay warm in love and honor and commitment. Even more than we have a longing for a vaccine to be found, may our longing for Jesus' return truly lead our lives. Now, a couple questions, actually four of them. One, just it's a good time to stop and be thinking about your own reactions. How are you living in fear instead of faith? How are the, the, the chaos around you leading you to fear? Where might you be looking for a quick fix? Some kind of secret that'll just help us avoid the, the, the pain, the struggle of the day. And, and where are you developing relationships with people who intentionally follow Jesus and, wanna, and help you fall deeper in love with him? Yeah, and there there are certainly avenues within the, the church with growth groups that will be starting up in October or with men's ministry like Ignite or Band of Brothers or with women's ministry, Woven, places to get in groups and relationships, significant relationships with folks where you truly help share your life with each other and truly help each other. Um, you share the pain and you challenge and support one another, keeping our hearts warm together. And then, uh, how are you spending time in the book that contains the words of Jesus? Those are four questions to, to consider and address during the course of, of this week. And all for the purpose, so that we might live in relationship with God's people, with one another, who study and submit to God's word, committed to one another, in a love that doesn't grow cold. What would it be if that indeed was what fed this community of Jesus followers? Those commitments, those relationships, even in the midst of trickery and terror. Let's pray together.